A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Everyone, welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola. I am your hostess today and every time you tune in. Uh, today, I have Ryan McLaughlin on with us. He is a 12-year 8th grade social studies teacher in Woodbridge, New Jersey. He was recently named this year's Teacher of the Year at his middle school, and he teaches World Civ and honors World Civ. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you so much for wait. being here. Yeah. Uh, tell um, us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, yeah, it's my 12th year. Um, you know, I've only been teaching at the same school, only been teaching eighth grade. Um, I, I got into teaching probably as a senior in high school. I did a program that was called CAP. It was basically where they took people that were interested in teaching and um, they, like, kind of put us in elementary schools. And it was kind of like an internship, I, I think. I don't know. I've never really had an internship. But um, we would do things with, like, Ellison letters um, and at first it was kind of like, wow, this is a lot of like nonsense. What, what, where do I get to teach? Which I was kind of misled. Um, but I kind of gr grew into it. And the teacher I was with gave me, um, or a lot of good advice. She said, the first thing she said was we need more male teachers. And I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. Um, my father was in education. My wife's in education. I have a lot of family members in education. Um, prior to it, I actually wanted to be a graphic artist, which kind of didn't work out in high school, which actually plays a role now in how I teach, believe it or not. Um, so yeah, I, I, the rest is history. I had great, great teachers and um, loved history. Thought I was going to do special ed or elementary at first, but um, you know, it, history is, is a lot more fun in my opinion. And uh, that's, that's where we are. <laughs> so uh, what's your teaching philosophy? When you enter the classroom, what are you thinking? Um, I'd like to think that every every class that I have is like a show. It's uh, uh, to entertain. Um, I feel that engaging students has been, um, it's important. And history, uh, you know, you, I usually find that kids are 50-50 about history. They either really like it or they're like, oh, this is a snooze. And I don't know if that's because of past teachers or experiences or, or even topics, you know, U.S. history to World Civ, for example. I just, I like to think of it like, okay, I have three three classes because we're on block scheduling. I have three classes, so I have three shows. And so let me make it as an engaging and entertaining as possible. And, you know, let's let's have a good show every day. And it's hard, but it's it's rewarding, absolutely. So So you are a World Civ teacher. What topics do you teach in your World Civ course? And what are some strategies you use to relate your content to your students' experiences? Because I have found when I teach my World Civ class, which is really ancient Civ. I teach it to fifth graders. And one thing that I struggle with, and I have been struggling with it, is how do I, how do I make this relatable to my kids? Right. Um, so we cover, so we're, we're part of uh, our district does World History 1. And then as freshmen, they go right into World History 2. So we cover from basically like Paleolithic, Neolithic Age, hunter-gatherers, uh, to Mesopotamia, to Egypt, to Greece, to Rome. Uh, India, China, uh, the continent of Africa, um, and then we get to like pretty much end where the bubonic plague uh, in Middle Ages pretty much begin and go. So there's a lot that we cover. Um, I kind of treat it like an intro to it because there's so much to cover and we only have, we, we, we go by semesters. So it's kind of difficult at times, but um, we cover lots of topics. 
some of the strategies I use are to relate to the topics are um, you, you have to you have to find what the kids like. And I found early on that relating it to kids made it easier to explain. The first couple of years I was teaching, uh, the Jersey Shore was really popular. And yeah. I mean, any, any, everybody in New Jersey, you know, you either liked it or you hated it, but it was the Jersey Shore, right? So I remember I was comparing like tanning the, the guild <laughs> to Snooky. We kind of showed comparing and contrasting, right? So those kind of things, you know, they didn't answer that tanning was, you know, to go out in the sun necessarily, but they, they picked up that, oh, he talked about that because of Jersey Shore. Um, I like to use as many things as I can to relate to kids. That's something that they were going to pick up right away. Um, what's common? And so now I'm 12 years in, the Jersey Shore probably doesn't work today. Like I could probably, I mean, I know it uh, without going into that show, but I know it's been back and forth here and there, but you know, that was good for a solid three years. So I th think tweaking things uh, relating to what they, they enjoy is important. One of the big things I talk about now, especially when we do like economics, is a fidget spinner. You know, the fidget spinner was so popular a couple of years ago, but now it's not. And so you kind of can talk about supply and demand. And then, you know, you talk about why is it not as popular? Uh, why is gold popular? Why is silk popular? Well, if they start to smuggle silk, it becomes less rare. It becomes less valuable because more people have, you know, they, they can get to it. Uh, status symbols. What are some things that you like to wear? Nike to um, certain types of brands. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like Supreme is the latest thing that kids keep telling me. I have no idea really what it is. But I know that it's something that if you wear it, you look good as per a Roman toga, as per silk, as I said before. So relating things are huge. We just actually went over uh, rites of passage. You know, we were talking about um, in the ancient African Congo region, they did these house of men, house of women, where kids were reborn as adults. I said, well, what are some rites of passage? And we, you know, you listed things like sweet 16s to graduations to marriage, which you know, the kids just start clicking. And those are things I feel if you can stay with what they're doing now and, and then in five years and 10 years, then you really relate. But, you know, my thing is I, I'll, I'll watch a lot of TV. I have a brother who's about seven years younger than me, who it's kind of getting a little bit older. He's getting older. Um, but I would ask him, like, what's, what's going on with music? What's going on with trends? What does this lingo mean? And believe it or not, like, if you can relate that stuff to them, it really, it helps any kind of media. I found that, you know, we were talking about like the Iliad or the Trojan horse and kids were like, I know that I saw that in like SpongeBob or I saw that in a movie that, you know what I mean? Like, and those are things that you can grasp. And I, and I, I would say, I, I, I don't know. I didn't see that episode of SpongeBob. I didn't watch it, but looking for it on like YouTube, you know, with ancient Civ, especially with fifth grade, like it's hard to find media. It's, there's no, there is no media on this stuff, right? <laughs> this is stuff that's created by people that try to spice it up and how do you how do you do that so relating it through those kind of strategies lots of media film clips um you know even movie trailers i found like if the show, I, I think one time i showed a, a the trailer for gladiator and if you watch it it tells the story all trailers tell these stories of these movies i mean we kind of picked and dissected what we weren't really focusing on but more so gladiators um Another thing I like to do to relate to kids is like give them my personal experiences through, you know, when I was growing up, we did this, we did that. And one of the very, I think it's funny. I, don't, I think the kids find it funny. They kind of find it ironic too, is when we talk about the Assyrian empire, for example, <clears throat> they were an empire that would terrorize their 
they're enemies. And I said, think about that mentality. Like if you're a, you, you have this mentality where I'm sort of afraid of these people, what do I do? And I told them um, when I was growing up, I played travel soccer and our team was horrendous. And um, we never won a game. And we found that there was a new team and we thought, oh, these guys might stink too. And it turned out, and this is a true story. This is a true story. So and I always stress this to them. It turned out that this team were, the majority of them were foreign exchange students from Brazil. And if you know anything about soccer, they, you're born with a soccer ball. So I said, we got crushed. Now, how do you think our mentality was the next four or five years we had to play them? We were like defeated. We knew that these guys were brutal. We, we barely played them for only, I don't know, one game. And the next four years, we, every time we saw them on the schedule, we were down in the dumps. So, you know, those kind of stories, I feel, you know, you can go back and forth. Um, I'm lucky to have some stories like that. But uh, relating things is, I think it's so clutch, especially with media. History is, you know, it, you sit there and you listen to someone talk. It's kind of boring. So you see it, you hear it, you interact with it. But things that they can relate to. As far as, like I said, fidget spinners, or uh, I always ask kids when we cover like Chinese porcelain, how many of you have parents that have trophies? And they look at me weird. I said, I mean, like how many of their parents have plates that they, they make as their trophies on like a big clutch? I'm like, yeah, we never eat on that. What the heck? What's the deal with that? Well, you know, but we'll tell, talk about how, you know, those kind of those plates or the porcelain China, how important that was back then and how rare it was or expensive and valuable, you know, they kind of connect with, um, what they live around with and, and it, relating stuff has been one of my, I think my key strong points of teaching. Um, it's not always easy, you know, and, and with fifth grade, you know, that attention spans and, and, and relating to things that they're not like eighth graders, they have a little bit more experience in the world or they're maybe more privileged to watch certain shows, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah, fifth grade is tough. I, I give you credit for that. But uh, yeah, relating things is key. I, I love to relate things as much as I can. Um, I think it gets the story across and, and the point. And from what I'm hearing from you too, is that you're also really adaptable and adaptability is so important in any classroom, but uh, particularly in our specialty, I think in our history classrooms, because things change, like the things that students are into change and depending on who we're teaching and what set of kids we're teaching, what kind of area our students are from, what is their socioeconomic background, what is their cultural background, what is their racial makeup, there are going to be different ways to relate to kids. And the beauty of what you're doing is you're, you're looking at your population, you're seeing what they're interested in so that you can bring them you can bring them into the story. And right. what's is very cool is how you how you share your own experiences because there are you might identify in a way that's different than a student and by passing those stories back and forth, you telling yours and them telling theirs, there's also this this certain amount of empathy building in the history classroom where you where people start to understand each other more because of the stories that they tell. Right. I mean and and that in that instance, you're, you're also developing a rapport with students. So they're like, oh, I, I like what this guy's saying. He's, he's talking about something that's it's kind of normal, but we're, we're talking thousands of years ago too. So yeah, I feel like that also helps cover classroom management and a rapport as well and, and gets the class going you know, with discussions and, and a little laughter. Laughter is always good too, I think. 100%. <laughs> Can you think of a time that your, contact, your content really reached a student and if you can, was it about how you taught or what you taught that forged that connection? There was um, there's a project I I like to do when we talk about like the 
Congress of China, and I go out and buy maybe a few tubs of Crayola um, terracotta clay. And so we, we'll do a lesson about them. We'll learn about them. We'll watch some video clips. We'll talk about it. And then a whole lesson, a whole block or a whole day, I have the kids split up in the random groups. Um, they get like a, a fistful of clay. I say, all right, make your own terracotta warrior. Talk to each other. Refer to things that we hand out in class. I usually have like a slideshow on the board of uh, through my projector so they can see what they look like. But they have to communicate and they have to talk. Um, you know, how big do we make the head? How big do we make the arms and the shoulders and all that stuff? Because, you know, that <laughs> that's going to get tough once the, the clay dries. And there was this instance where I had a kid who was very quiet, a uh, very smart kid, but, you know, he didn't participate. He didn't raise his hand. And, you know, you know, from a teacher's perspective, participation is key, right? So I remember watching him interact with the kids because it was a lesson that I, I, they had fun, I believe. I, I hope they did. It seemed like they did. But he was kind of like talking to them and, and they were talking to him. And I remember it usually takes about, we have about 90-minute blocks. So it probably takes about 65 minutes to do this. And the other time is cleaning up because it's pretty messy. But the last 10 minutes is where I reflect and say, what was the hardest thing about this? What was the hardest um, part about this clay, you know, handling it, building it? And I remember him raising his hand like two times. And I, first of all, that was rewarding because maybe I, we did something that he's, I like this. I'm, I'm maybe I'm not as social or maybe I'm feeling more comfortable being around. And these were random kids. It wasn't like they got the pick. Um, but for the most part, I thought that, you know, maybe that broke him out of his shell that, Hey, you know, we're doing a project. I, I like this. It's fun. But at the same time, we're learning. And, and that, that to me kind of felt, I felt good. Um, and he participated a few more times throughout the year, which was nice too. So I guess it kind of helped out there. That's awesome. And projects are always my favorite way to go, especially with World Civ. I feel like there's a lot of creativity that you can bring in there so that students who are different kinds of learners can have yes. that chance to really shine. Um, and another thing that I really love teaching about World Civ is that we get to teach all over the world. So we're not teaching about one particular culture. I feel like we can, even though it's not necessarily modern, though I do try to bring some modern stuff into my classrooms to relate to the part of the world where we're talking, um, we do get to teach about different cultures around the world. So it kind of can bring students in in that way. It's like, hey, I'm learning about someone who looks like me, or I'm learning about someone who eats like me or sounds like me. So that I find to be one of the most rewarding things about teaching World Civ. Uh, could you give some examples about how you teach diversity and equity through your World Civ class? Yeah. Um, I, first of all, this is a course that's perfect for it. You know, when you look at other topics, like, man, I don't know how you would do it. You can't do it. I don't know if you can do it in science, maybe language arts. So that's why, even though, and you know, teaching in New Jersey, like we're not a tested area, right? So sometimes we get some slack for that, but we are, that, this is an important part where we can really make a huge difference besides just talking about historical figures or dates, right? Um, Ancient Civ, so I start every, every class, every first day of the school year or semester with what history is, the definition, and I usually start with um, these words that say, it says history, that word history is on the board, and I have the first three letters highlighted, and it's his story. And when you look at Ancient Civ, there's not many times where you can talk about um, women's rights being equal or, you know, privileges or things that they could do. And I, and I apologize. I personally apologize to all the ladies in the class. I'm really sorry. This is not because of me. There were times that 
it was about the guys. It, they felt that they were more superior. And I always said, that you're, don't worry, you never are. Okay. Girls are way, way more above than us guys. But, you know, that's where we're going. And so when you look at the equity of gender and the diversity, um, you know, there's a huge part of ancient civ there. So there's a lot of themes in our curriculum in Woodbridge that cover probably per chapter at least what women's role was. And every so often we'll get like the head shepsets or the Cleopatras or, you know, you'll see more privileged Spartan women than Athenian women. Um, and, you know, it's not only showing the girls, listen, this is what they had to go through. We have, you have equal rights today, you know, and there are still some blunders that we need to clear up, but look how long it took. We're talking centuries, thousands of years even to, you know, get through a girl being able to show up at an athletic event or speaking in public. And, you know, it's also good to show the guys, look, I always joke, look how cruel you guys were to them. But, you know, those kind of things are important to realize that everyone is, we're human. We're, we're, we're human beings. And so that's, I, I think that's a big part of the course that I like to cover with, especially equity, um, diversity. We talk a lot about religions. My district, uh, is pretty diverse. We have a, we have a pretty good core of you know uh, you know different backgrounds, ethnicities. So we talk about Christianity to Islam to Judaism to um, Hinduism. You know, it does kind of relate to lots of kids, and it's great to see those kids. And I always welcome, hey, if you you know we were talking about something of your culture or your religion, and you want to add to it, that's a big deal. Um, I remember the first three years of teaching back in like '09. Uh, when we would talk about Islam, I had students that thought that, you know, Muslims were terrorists, all Muslims were terrorists. And, you know, that's eight years from 9-11. So it was not fresh, but, you know, it had a huge impact. And I said, you're wrong. And we have to look at this, this religion It's very peaceful. It's very similar to other monotheistic religions. And, you know, that's a big, I think that's a big building block, especially at eighth grade. Fifth grade, I think is, is a big part too. I think you can get a lot done there too. And allow them to see um, it, it, how much you know they're wrong about something, and you know, and that that was that was interesting. And nowadays, I don't really see that too much. Um, we do have students that uh, celebrate Ramadan, so we go over like Islam. That's always a great discussion, especially kids that come forward or um, people that follow Christianity. You know, there's so much to learn, and we have a World Culture Club at school, which is great. It's phenomenal, it really is. And I just think that this can also add to it uh, as far as, you know, talking about different cultures. This is what this course is. It's, it's so much, it's sociology, it's economics, but a large part of it is diversifying um, these topics and cultures that still in some ways exist today or have changed. And when you can compare and contrast those things, you really get a good sense to those kids and saying, we had to have changes and it took a long time to do that. And, you know, uh, it's funny how you say sometimes you talk about modern day things. Sometimes when we talk about women, I'll reference like World War II or like a, the movie A League of Their Own, for example, where, you know, women didn't get much respect. They did a lot of these things. And even in ancient times, you know, having children, working in fields, doing these things, they weren't given respect. They weren't the greatest jobs maybe to women. And, and girls would probably say, I would never want to do that. But they, they just didn't get the respect that they needed um, to relate those things too. Um, sometimes I'll talk about like the undercover boss TV show. Some of the kids have never seen that, but you know, you get an idea of what it's like with uh, social class, you know, social classes. We, we are very diverse in social class too. We have, you know, 
upper middle lower classes that cover uh the district for the most part so some kids would get this and some kids would get that but yeah there's a lot of work with diversity and equity that we need to do um especially with this course i think it's helpful i really do but um it, it, it's easy you know i i I am the uh, affirmative action representative at my school, and we actually had a training that said, you know, do you feel comfortable talking about this? And I think maybe more than half the room, I don't think they were all social studies teachers. I think they're, you know, all over. We're uncomfortable talking about this too. I mean, we, I think we had these conversations more and more um, as these topics go on. There's a little bit more of a comfort zone, and I, I feel comfortable talking about, you know, hey, let's talk about, you know, women or, you know, this race or this religion, how they're perceived today to back then. And, you know, kids grasp it. It is interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's got to be the best course for it, I think. so. And I think our course is so important, too, because it, it teaches humanity. It teaches uh, empathy. And it allows for those kinds of conversations that maybe some teachers are nervous about having in other courses. And even some social studies teachers are, are, are fairly nervous about it. But I find that the more you talk about it and the more, the more prepared you are by talking to other colleagues about how do you think I should say this or how are you doing this, finding, finding someone in your building or on, or on Twitter in, a, in your personal learning network or finding someone somewhere to bounce ideas off of and also to have those conversations yourself then allows you to better bring in gender, social class, which is a really hard one for a lot of kids to talk about, um, bringing in race, bringing in, um, bringing in religion and being able to have those conversations and also tell kids that their assumptions aren't, aren't true. Um, and that's a hard thing for students to hear. And it's a hard thing for sometimes for us to say, uh, but nonetheless, it's really important. So that's, so our course is so important. And what you are doing in your classroom is so important for students to then go out in the world and be human. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are teaching kids how to be humans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we end, do you have any parting thoughts? What are some things that you would like to leave our audience with that they can think about or use in their world civ class or any, any history classroom? Um, history is fun. I don't care what anybody says. History is totally fun. Um, and if you're not having fun, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but I don't think you're doing it right. You know, if you, you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, right? Confucius for the most part. Um, I always try to find a way to make it fun. There are always parts of history, and I'm sure there's parts of other topics and uh, subject matters too, where you're like, oh man, this is like, this is a drag. How am I going to get through this? Spice it up. Find a way. Um, I could give this recommendation. I'm not sure if people would be able to find it. Really me into creating lessons to be like a show or like, a, you know, like, a, I don't know, not a circus necessarily, but there was a show on HBO years ago. It was called Assume the Position with a guy by Robert Wool. He was in our list. He was the reporter in Batman, uh, Tim Burns' Batman. He, the way he, if you ever get a chance to see this, it, this changed my perspective on teaching. He had, you know, uh, PowerPoint slides and he had movie clips and he had like acting and he did voices and all this stuff. And I thought, wow. I love this. And I'm also learning about history that stuff like that. I think kids really connect with, you know, I don't know if you can do this in other subjects. It's tough in science. I know math. I give my, 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 my wife teaches math. I give her a lot of credit. How do you relate stuff? How do you keep them engaged? Our topic is so relatable. It's more relatable to kids. Than they think. Um, and that's just, 
it just makes it easier, makes it more fun. Um, sorry, math teachers out there, if I'm, you know, throwing dirt shade at you with, but you know, there, there's just so much you can do. And yeah, there's doldrums of history. There's, there, there is, but how do you get through that? How do you, how can you make it better? How can you make it more unpredictable than, than kids are going to think? And, and you'll be a better teacher, I think. Um, if you follow that kind of, uh, mentality, I think, I, I don't know, I've been doing it, so I've been having fun. So that's, that's how I think about that, I guess. <laughs> I'm right there with you on all of that. Um, so if you would like to follow Ryan on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at CMSMac110. I encourage you to follow him. He has some really cool graphic design stuff that he does. He does really cool movie trailers. He sent me one to see about 300 and he's in it. Uh, he does a lot of really cool stuff. So um, please make sure that you give him a follow. And thank you so much for listening to the Teaching History Her Way podcast today. If you would like to be in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at History Her Way, or you can go to my website, www.teachinghistoryherway.com. Thank you again for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Have a wonderful day.